Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So the, today, the seventh Sunday of Easter is also uh, referred to as Ascension Sunday because Ascension Day was was Thursday, and um, while we don't have big services on Thursday all the time, especially when, when it hasn't become culturally marketable, uh, and so we push off till, till Sunday. Uh, a lot of what a lot of what the Ascension has to do with, but but in actuality, we don't read very many Ascension Day type readings. Um, we we always have this portion of Jesus' final prayer in John's Gospel, the High Priestly Prayer. Really, we're we're going to name it. This would would probably properly be called the Lord's Prayer because it's, it's the prayer the Lord has given. But we we refer to it as His High Priestly Prayer. And so every year, year A, year B, year C, we read a portion of it for year C, so this is the end of the prayer. So you might have missed all the other part of the prayer before that, but that's okay. Because now we're finally getting to the prayer for us. Um, the first part of the prayer is Jesus prays for himself, and the second part of the prayer is Jesus prays for his disciples who are right there at the, um, the Last Supper with him, and then, and then finally he's praying for you and me. Those who will come after, who will will believe and be in the world, and it's very, it's it's not one of the you know the greatest uh, flowy passages because it's all a lot of I have given them that they may be in one as we are in one and I am in you and you're in me and we should all be in together and you start tuning out I know halfway through that so it's okay, but but the the main gist of all of it is is Jesus prays for you. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's one of the, at least for me, one of the greatest aspects of the ascension, where Jesus is enthroned to his rightful place in, in, in heaven and prays for us. That, that we May one receive the Spirit of God, two, that we may have the dwelling of, of God within us, and that we be protected from the world. It's, it's, it's a remarkable thing, because if you, if you think about culture, and you think about the world, and you think about television, and often how God is portrayed, at best, God is this, this being Who's to be appeased by our good behavior? If we're just good enough, if we just live right enough, if we don't kill anybody, steal too many office supplies, you know, help little old ladies across the street, then we'll be okay. And God may have mercy on us if we, you know, give money to the church even better. You know, I mean, but this isn't even... Even in that sort of best case scenario, and a lot of the things about God are even way worse than that. We have a God who loves us so deeply that God not only came to earth to live, to die, but ascends to heaven in order to intercede on our behalf. Because Jesus knows what it's like to walk in our footsteps, knows what it's like to be man, knows what it's like to face temptation, 
persecution and fear and oppression and confusion and dismay and all those, all those feelings that we feel. And so Jesus prays for us and empowers us with the Holy Spirit. And this, this passage from the Acts of the Apostles is, is almost like an encapsulated uh, story. It's, it's like one of my favorite vacation Bible school stories. There's nothing more fun than acting out, you know, the jailer and the earthquake and things falling over and everything. But, but when we think about this passage, and I'm thinking about it recently, I have to confess, one with, with, with going to the Legacy Museum and receiving, receiving the um, the emails every day from the Equal Justice Initiative that continuously talks about inju racial injustice and inequality of, of people who are oppressed and persecuted because they're different. And that combined with the recent tragic shootings and, and all, of the, all the rest, now you, you see this passage. Here's, here's Paul. What does he do? He frees, in a sense, a slave girl who, who has powers of divination, is making her, her, her owners lots of money, and this says, get out of her. And now all of a sudden, we don't hear about her anymore. We don't know what happens to her. But we know what happens to the owners. They just lost some profit. And they don't like it. And do they say, hey, these guys cost us some money. No, they say, these guys are Jews. These guys are not from here. They're not like us. They're teaching things that aren't Roman things. They're not our customs. They're not our ideas. They're not anything. And they rile up the mob, who then beats them with rods has them thrown into prison. This may have happened to Jesus, right? Do we remember this story? It wasn't so long ago, only a few weeks back. Where, where, where Jesus is, is hauled in um, for false accusations and crimes for, for teaching things. And an amazing thing happens then in this story. That, that Paul and Silas, as they are in prison, begin to sing, begin to praise God, begin to, to just offer hymns of thanksgiving and praise and honor. That Let me tell you, I, I think if Jesus is not interceding on their behalf, they're probably not singing hymns of praise and thanksgiving. If they've not been empowered and emboldened with the Spirit of God living within them, this is not the response that most people have after being falsely accused, beaten, and thrown into jail. And in that, an earthquake comes. And in this earthquake, their bonds, are shackles are, are loosened, and, and the doors are, are blown open jailer wakes up and sees it all and is about 
to kill himself because that's way better than what would be the alternative for him. And Paul cries out, don't harm yourself. We're here. And the shock and the amazement that they are still there leads him to say, who are you? Really, right? Who are you? What is this all about? Paul begins to tell him what it's all about. How their lives are transformed. And in that, and in that scene, the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? Right? And it's a transformational life of being baptized and immediately begins to to watch them and, and, and also to, to be present with them. The next morning, we didn't read that part because it's already a long reading, but the next morning the magistrates already ordered their release and Paul says, we've been wrongly imprisoned, we're Roman citizens, you need to come and apologize to us. Another great part of the story. But also witness to the jailer as well. Sort of lost in this, it's, it's always this, it's, it's this has always been presented as, as Paul sort of standing up to for, for his rights, but it's also a witness to the jailer that he didn't he didn't just stand on who he was as a Roman citizen with all of this. He didn't sit and demand things. He allowed the Spirit of God to be present and work in him and through him in order to witness to this jailer and his family. Which again goes, as I said, sort of encapsulates everything about ascension because we, we so often think of, of God, even me, thinks of God. God so loves the world. God loves the world. There's lots of people in the world, seven billion people in the world, and it's exponentially growing every day. God doesn't just love the world. God loves you. God loves me. And this is a perfect passage that demonstrates that, that God cares about the individual. He cares about the slave girl. He cares about the jailer. He cares about Paul and Silas. And even cares about Luke, who was there in Macedonia with them, because you can tell when Luke's around in Acts because it says we. And when it doesn't say we, that means he's not there. So we were over here doing all of this. Then all of a sudden it just shifts to Paul and Silas were in jail. So we were together. Paul and Silas were hauled off. And Luke's sort of on the outside, still just writing these things, right? But then he picks up and he's back with them again. We're back together again. But it's a powerful aspect that, that the Spirit of God is... Is upon us. That as Jesus is enthroned in heaven, what takes place is that not only does Jesus intercede for us, not only does he empower us with the Spirit, it's all it's like that we've been placed here also to reign in glory with him, that we're experiencing heaven today. It's the experience of heaven today that enables us to sing hymns of praise. It's the Spirit of God and experiencing heaven today which allows us to be healed, which allows us to be blessed, which allows us to give testimony and witness to who 
God. It is that, that great love of God. But it isn't if we're just so good, God will pour out love. God's already poured out love upon us. And so our reaction and our response isn't because to earn God's love. It's because God has loved us so immensely that we don't have anything to do but give back that same love to God. And that's disciple and invitation, not just of intercession, but of praise, thanksgiving, hope, and healing, and joy that we've been drawn into. The story that we're a part of. That indeed God so loves the world that he gave his only son for us. But we're in that world. And the continuation of that, that God didn't send Christ in the world to condemn the world, but to save it. We keep thinking of God as this judge, ready, just to punish. God brought forth Jesus to save, to heal, to bless, and to invite us into that presence with him. That final prayer before his arrest with very next the very next words after this was and they went out to the Kidron Valley and Judas was coming right the very next words after this prayer of Jesus and John is the arrest of Jesus the trial of Jesus the crucifixion of Jesus these are Jesus final words words of encouragement to you and to me 